Hello. You're listening to Survive the 9 to 5, the podcast dedicated to tactics, tips, and strategies that help you survive and be happier on your crazy corporate journey. Journey? I'm going to leave that in. Journey. This is Elizabeth, and I'm here with... It's Doug over here. So, welcome, and today we're going to talk about a topic that is probably near and dear to all of us, work-life balance. Work-life balance. Every company will tell you that it's very important to them that their employees have good work-life balance, but do they mean it? Maybe, maybe not. There's a book that we have read for a book club. It's called Company. Doug's going to introduce the book and the passage. And this is from Company by Max Berry. So check out the book. It's very good, very funny. And here's the passage. Have you heard of work-life balance? It's the crazy idea that employees work better when they're happy and motivated. From the head of the table, Klossman said, Ah, Jones, we're not big fans of that whole work-life balance thing. It's not that it's not a great concept. It is, in theory. Like communism, Blake said, eliciting chuckles. The problem is... I'm sorry. Hold on. Shh, I'm not done. The problem is it's a myth. We've run the numbers and it doesn't check out. The amount you gain from reduced absenteeism and error rates is swamped by what you lose to reduce working hours and off-task behavior. Simply put, happy employees aren't more productive. They're less. In most situations, Mona interjected, remember? Klossman nodded, ah, yes. When it's expensive to replace an employee, it can be worth spending money to keep them happy. But that's the exception. So what you're saying, Jones said, is that there's no point spending money on employee welfare unless they're in senior management. Blake said, by Jove, he's got it. What I'm saying, Klossman said, is that when it comes to work-life balance, we're fighting for the work side of the equation. Capiche? So I remember when we read that passage at first, and I just sort of laughed and laughed and never really thought of it from that perspective. And this book is a very cynical view on corporations and HR policies and things like that. But in some cases, maybe maybe it's not that untrue. You know, we want to have work-life balance, but that might not be the same motivator for our company. They want to get, you know, the most production and the best work out of us. And by the way, I mean, the book is really, it's, it's quite accurate. It's a satire, of, co- of course. So like it, it makes its point, but then it goes a little, it goes a little farther in certain areas. But I mean, when when I think about it, when I think about you know the corporate, um, you know, mission statement where maybe work work life balance is super important and it's a high priority. That's really interesting uh, at the corporate level. But when you get down to the project level, when bonuses and evaluations for the management of that project are based on the performance of the project, well, they don't really care about the work-life balance. You have to look at their incentives, which are pretty clear. It's pretty much a monetary thing for them. So if they can get people to work harder and it makes them a little less un- less happy, it really doesn't matter to them. In a lot of cases, that's true, it, which is unfortunate. So if you're looking to optimize your work-life balance and you go and you Google resources, I think you're going to find a lot of silly things, unactionable things like um, work smarter, not harder, you know, separate your work and, and life and set boundaries. 
I don't know. Some of the things that I ran into, I, I just didn't think they were sort of common sense, easier said than done type of suggestions. So I'm going to give you some some hardcore suggestions that I've tried to implement in various careers. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. First of all, you should know this, but you can delay the delivery of your Outlook emails. No one ever got a prize for doing something that was expected to take two days in an hour. So can you like break it down in case people aren't following what you're saying? So your boss gives you a project and they say, um, I, it's Monday, and they're like, can you get this to me by the end of the week? And you finish it Monday afternoon. Do not send that to them Monday afternoon. You may think that it's a good thing. Oh, wow, Elizabeth, you finished this so quickly. It is not a good thing. Now, you don't have to send it to them Friday afternoon at 4. That's not good either. But maybe send it to them Wednesday afternoon or Thursday morning. And when I talk about delayed delivery in Outlook, there's an option. So you could queue up the whole email. You're finished. Set it up and say, do not deliver until Thursday at 10. Cool. I've used that feature a lot because in a company that I used to work at, uh, I would get emails like all through the middle of the night and it was kind of a, a little bit of a pissing contest who was working the hardest, who was working late at night. Um, but I, I actually didn't want to do that. So I just would schedule emails earlier in the day and have them sent out uh, later in the evening. And then my friends and I would laugh at how we were sending emails late at night, even though we just scheduled them. And I've never talked to an IT resource I'd like to. I honestly don't know if there's a way that they can you know, research the background of an email and see if it was um, delayed, delayed sent, like if they can look and see if someone used that option. I don't think that they can, but I don't know for sure. If you're an IT person and you can weigh in on that, it'd be good to know. I um, I <laughs> I also worked in consulting for a little while, and there were the 2 a.m., 3 a.m. emails, which I always just kind of rolled my eyes at. I, I never scheduled one to go out in the middle of the night. I, I more use it for the type of activity that I talked about where someone thinks it's going to take two days and you finish it in an hour. And like I said, the only thing that's going to happen if you turn work in early is that you're going to get more work. Okay, my second tip for you is to use your technology appropriately. What I mean by this is we're all very excited that we have our work emails on our phones. We're trackable everywhere. And I remember when that first happened, when I first got my iPhone, it was a great thing. I had um, sort of a traveling job at the time, and so it was very good for me. I was able to stay up on my work tasks while I was on the road. I could see what was coming in and out. I could you know, plan my, my evening work appropriately and efficiently so I didn't just show up at night, log in, and see the 30 emails that came through. So I knew what I had to do. So you need to use your technology appropriately. Just because we can access our work email all the time doesn't mean that we should. So if you have to leave work early for whatever reason, a doctor's appointment or your child's concert, or if you have to come in late, by all means, check your email. But set some boundaries for yourself so you're not checking your email on the evenings, on the weekends. Uh, turn off your email notifications or silence them or change them to um, a pull rather than a push. 
I think there's some studies and some news about this recently. I mean, it's addictive. These smartphones, the apps, they're addictive. And just don't get addicted to your email. Don't be laying in bed, you know, checking your work email for the next day. Just in general, it's good to probably not have your phone in the bedroom. It's pretty distracting, like right before you go to bed or right when you wake up to check your phone. So I try and put my charger outside of the bedroom so it's like in the kitchen so I can't get to it right away. Just a little, (laughs) it's a little harder to get to. It takes like 20 seconds. And I think I learned this tip from someone that Doug listened to. I'm not exactly sure who it was, but I think it might have been Tim Ferriss. If you're not prepared to work or respond to whatever's coming across in your email, there's no sense in checking it. And I think about that as I've started to cut my email off and turn it off on the weekends and and just not look at it. I will actually think about that where I'm like, oh, maybe this, maybe an email came across and I'll think, am I going to Am I going to do anything? Am I going to log on and work? No, I'm not. So don't even look because then it's just going to be in the back of your mind. It's going to ruin your Tuesday night. It'll still be there Wednesday when you get there. Yeah, that was Tim Ferriss. And another one of the things he mentions is to you know, schedule when you're going to check your emails just in general. So at that point, you can schedule when you're going to pull the emails or when you're going to have a look and know you're going to have time to take action on them. So I try to do that myself as much as possible. I mean, it is hard with the accessibility of email and other stuff on your phone. Okay. A third tip I want to share is to combine activities. What I mean by this is when I come home from work, I want to work out and I also want to play with my dog. So I combine them. I go for a jog with my dog or I run around and do jumping jacks in the yard with her while I throw the ball, whatever. But if you can combine activities, that's going to that's going to help you maximize your time away from the office. Cuz let's be honest, it's you know, working at nine to five is the name of the podcast, but we know that's not what it really is. It's eight to six or, and then when you really take away like driving time, especially if you live in a major metropolitan area, your work day is 10, 11, 12 hours when you put it all together. And and so you really want to be able to maximize the time you have at home and to make it meaningful and, and to really be able, I don't know, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Okay, I'm looking at Doug here, but he wants me to keep talking. He's going to talk um, a lot more about his work-life balance in the second half of the podcast. So I know this is kind of sounding like the Elizabeth show right now, but, um, but I promise you, Doug's going to have some interesting insight. Another tactic that I do at work, I do as much personal stuff as possible. That certainly doesn't mean I go to work and I don't do my job. But for instance, when we were sick, We needed more medicine, and there's a pharmacy within walking distance of my office, and so I took a break, walked to the pharmacy, got us the medicine. Whatever you can do on your work day to, you know, not not have an errand that you have to take care of in the evening is going to help you out. I mean, obviously, you have to get your work done, but no one works straight for 10 hours a day. Everyone takes breaks you know, take a moment, think about what you're going to have for dinner that night, make a quick grocery list. And then when you leave the office and you're driving home, you can get in and out of that grocery really quickly. And then you're home, you're spending that valuable time with your family. Yep. And I used to do that sort of thing all the time when I had a corporate job, 
there were plenty of stores all around, so I was able to you know, run to Walmart really quick during the lunch break, grab some lunch, do some other things. At that point, I was probably taking uh, maybe like a 90-minute lunch break. I had a little freedom. There weren't too many people around, so it really was pretty efficient. Your your individual workplace is your individual workplace, and you definitely should be cognizant of your time and whatever policies and procedures are important to you, to your business, but no one ever got canned for taking 10 extra minutes on their lunch break. Well, if you did, write in, but I have never heard of someone getting canned for taking 10 extra minutes on your lunch break, so don't stress about things like that. I think I was going to say... I think you could, but you would have to been reported like multiple times. But it was probably more than 10 extra minutes, and it was a pattern of... Right. So my point is, even if it's only 10 extra minutes, if you did it like 50 times, that could be bad. So if you get warned, you should stop doing the bad activity. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. And then the last couple tips that I have in terms of managing your time. One, block off time on your calendar. So if you know every, you know, at the beginning of every month, you have a bunch of reports you have to run or, or whatever your schedule is, block off that time so people can't schedule meetings. So then you'll have that dedicated focus time to get the tasks that you need to done. Or even if you don't have regular tasks, but you feel like you're not having that concentrated time to get your work done, block off time and, and stay firm to that. If people ask, you know, can you meet at this time say, no, you know, I have, I have a commitment. I have something else to do. Um, obviously you got to be a little bit flexible with that, but I routinely block off, um, chunks of time on my calendar to focus and to get work done. Yeah. I used to do that all the time, especially like preparing for meetings. So I knew I would always need, you know, two and a half hours on Friday mornings to get ready for, you know, a call at 10 o'clock that I had every Friday. So I definitely couldn't have any meetings scheduled then. I didn't want people to interrupt me. I just wanted that as focus time. And the last, the last piece of advice I'm going to give, if you are routinely working 50, 60, 70 hour weeks, however long it is, long hours, longer than you want to, talk to your manager. And there's a right way and a wrong way to talk to your manager. The wrong way would be to come in and say, I'm sick of this, I'm working too much, I'm not doing it anymore. The right way would be to say, listen, Doug, I've, um, I've been working 70 hours a week, working really hard to try and get this deliverable done. Uh, it's really taking a toll, and I'm not sure I can sustain it. Can we talk about getting some extra help? Um, frame it that way. You want to do a good job, but you're having trouble... Um, and you're getting run down with it. You can also ask about comp time if your company has a comp time policy. The worst they can say is no, but I remember when when Doug had some late night meetings, they didn't expect him to be in at eight in the morning when he was working till midnight. Is that right? Depends on the project, but yeah, typically people were reasonable. Sometimes that happened, but it was, you know, it was expected. Yeah, but the worst they can say is no, and also you're letting them know how much you're working, how hard you're working. Um, when I was in consulting and we traveled Monday to Thursday, it was kind of known that on Friday you worked from home and 
you know, it was it was a little bit of an easier day to sort of compensate for the long hours, Monday to Thursday. So make sure you know what the expectations are, um, if there is any comp time, and um, talk to your talk to your manager about it. You may be able to to work from home one day a week or things like that. So that's my advice on the balance. But that is the traditional nine to five job, and we thought this would be an interesting time where Doug could talk about how he has changed his work-life balance and his work and what that feels like to have a non-corporate job. It feels really good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it feels really good. Right now I do mostly affiliate marketing and I also have an online course. The affiliate marketing is really just uh, some websites that I have where basically this is how it works. Someone goes to Google, they're looking for a product review for, say, the best fountain pen or something like that, and then they can, uh, you know, hopefully they'll navigate over to my site, they'll get some information about a pen, and they'll make a purchase probably over at Amazon, and then I get a small commission from that. The other part is the the coursework, and that's really cool because I get to teach people about, you know, what I'm doing. Now, as far as work-life balance, it's really it's really hard because I like what I'm doing a lot more than what I was doing in any corporate job that I had. So it's very easy for me to work way too much. There have been weekends where I, I work, you know, nine hours a day on the weekend. And then during the work week, you know, I'm putting in 13 hour days. Now that's, that's super rare. I usually probably only work maybe like four to six hours a day or so. And it's in the windows of time that I want to work. So my typical day has a lot of balance. I could do whatever I want. So there's a huge amount of flexibility. Usually I'll wake up, probably normal workday time, same time I used to wake up when I had a job, make some coffee, walk the dog for a little while. Then I'll uh, check some emails, maybe do some writing or producing whatever content that I need to produce and then maybe work with some students, have some lunch, and then I'll work out. It's rare when I do work after like going to the gym and that sort of thing in the afternoon. I'm walking the dog a few more times, and again, huge amount of flexibility. It took some time to like build up the business where I have that much flexibility. So when I first started, that's when I was pulling those maybe 12 or 13-hour days and doing a lot more over the weekends. But at this point, it's way more relaxed. And like I said before, it's great because, you know, if I want to take an afternoon off, go for a hike instead of something uh, like sitting at a meeting, then I'll go for a hike. And that's, I think, a good point you made there. Even though you did become your own boss, when you first started out and when you were growing the business and you were working long hours, I would say, Maybe you weren't upset with your work-life balance, but I was a little bit upset with it. Right. I think starting a business, usually it probably looks pretty sloppy in the first two to three years. I didn't realize that I had no entrepreneurship uh, background at all. That's what I hear, though. And even then, I, I, I definitely asked, asked him to be more available in the evenings, and we really had, had to schedule some shutdown times because I wasn't happy. Right. And part of it, part of it is just how I, I like to work anyway, where it's great to go work out in the middle of the day, 
to go to the gym in the middle of the day because it's, it's just less crowded there and it's more fun for me to work out in that sort of setting. So for a little while when I was doing those long days, I would take a long break in the middle of the day and then work again in the evening. I've shifted that. You know, I do work in the afternoons probably two days a week uh, pretty hard, but it just depends on what I have going on. So what do you think is the big difference for you from working for a company versus working for yourself in terms of your work-life balance? One of the huge things is being able to make a decision and then do it and test it. That sort of autonomy is huge. It's definitely on the work side, but to be able to control what you're working on makes an enormous difference. For example, I had a corporate job where I worked on a a team of, you know, something like 100 people. I was sort of the leadership, part of the leadership team there of five or six leads. If I wanted to test something, I had to get approval from like two levels above me. And it was a lot of red tape. So it was hard to test anything as far as setting up the team differently or assigning projects differently or really anything. I had to have all sorts of approval. Now I can... I can think about something that I want to work on, draft it up, basically test it immediately. So really enjoy that portion of it. I think for me, if I was to get out of the corporate setting, what I would like the most is being able to work when I want to, you know, being sort of confined and restricted to a, you know, between eight and five work schedule is, I think that's tough. Um, yeah. That's it. (laughs) I think that's really tough. And then hearing you say that, right, I forget about that part. One of the biggest things is I have all this flexibility. So I go walk the dog for an hour in the morning and kind of ease my way into the day before I start doing like the more intense work. And then if I'm feeling it, I'll keep working harder. You know, I'll, I'll push through the day or sometimes let's say you have a late night, maybe you have a couple cocktails a day before you need to take a nap in the afternoon. Sometimes I take a nap. That's, that's huge, right? I I forgot about that. Yeah, it's and I worked part time for a little while. And I just I loved that aspect of it. I didn't have to be in front of I worked from home part time. So I didn't have to be in front of my computer at 8am. And if it made more sense with whatever we were trying to do for the day, I would work maybe from four to eight at night. That's a huge component of work-life balance, but I think in most traditional jobs, they really are still focused on the standard work hours. And I hope, I hope more companies start to move away from that because it's, it's, a significant, it's a significant contributor to happiness, I think, in the workplace. If you want to learn more about what I do, you can go to nichesiteproject.com. There's a lot of uh, information. You can check out the About page and see sort of what I talk about. But I get into a lot of the nitty-gritty of affiliate marketing and project management, actually, since that is part of my uh, qualification of a PMP. So to wrap up, going back to the quote that we read at the beginning, I'm not sure if, if I feel that that is an accurate represent- representation of how companies think about work-life balance. I do think that they care somewhat. I, I, I wouldn't say that they only care about senior management because they're hard to replace. I sure hope not. I am, I'm definitely not a Pollyanna, but 
I I think most companies care a little bit more than that. What do you think, Doug? I think the individual like managers that you have personal relationships or directors that you have relationships with, I bet they really do care and they don't want you to, you know, be unhappy. However, when you do look at their incentives, they may be really incentivized to select uh, like project performance over the happiness of their teams. Obviously, every company is completely different and it probably trickles down from the top. So if like the CEO and president and the board of directors are sort of insensitive to the work-life balance concept, then it probably you know makes its way all the way down through management. So yeah, so I guess that's my take. I think that's a good take. And I think maybe we're both heading towards the same point. Whether or not they care overall about work-life balance, no one is going to sit you down and make sure you have it. That's on you. So if you're having trouble with your work-life balance, don't expect your your manager or coworkers or whatever to, to notice and help you out. You need to be proactive about it. If, you, if your regular schedule is to leave at 5, but you're constantly leaving at 5.30, that's on you. You need to set up your day so you leave at 5. You need to have the expectation that you leave at 5 and then, and then do it. Um, and it is possible. I have seen in the workplace when individuals need to leave and go pick up their kids from daycare, they are out of the office every day at four o'clock or whatever the time it is that they say they're leaving to go get their kids. So I don't know, just imagine that you have kids waiting for you at daycare and it's non-negotiable. You would find a way to get it done. So treat yourself with that respect. That's what I say. I agree a hundred percent. No one is going to try and work out your work-life balance for you. And in some ways, like it's going to suck sometimes and you'll have to deal with whatever stress is thrown your way and it's up to you to like treat it in a positive way. So I've definitely worked with people in the same environment as them and I was miserable and they were happy. So I I guess the, the difference was they had a much better coping mechanism and, you know, I guess when I control my own day, then I can still stress myself out which goes to show that, I mean, the work-life balance is really in your own hands. Thank you for listening and check out the show notes on survivethe9to5.com. If you have any comments about our tips for work-life balance, whether you like them or not, you've tried them or things that have worked for you, please feel free to put them out there. We'd love to hear, hear them. Yeah, leave your tips. We would love to hear them. Thank you for listening and have a great day. 